don't like the audio of someone supping a tay to just, you know, relax you, you know, settle in. Of course, the joy of the radio format is that none of you realise that I'm actually drinking a coffee. Ha <laughs> ha. So it's like with Bugs Bunny, uh, the the voice actor, uh, famously tried for the foley of um, the sound effect of him eating a carrot. He uh, he tried loads of different vegetables. Uh, turnips, things he wouldn't necessarily just eat in out of the paw, pardon the pun, but uh, he turned out, it turned out that uh, it was the carrot all along that was the, was the best, so go figs. For me, it's a, it's a frothy, um, oat milk cappuccino that sounds most like a sub-ante. Welcome to Folklore. I am f- Folklore. It's my uh, given title, uh, name that I've given myself. Uh, I'm not by any means insinuating that I am superior to anybody, um, but I would ask you to really think about it as kind of aspirational name um, and that this podcast is an exploration it's my exploration uh, of folk um, uh, folklore and in in doing so um, I am achieving folkloredness I'm going to tell you a little bit about this project because it's I'm not actually quite sure what it is myself. It's a bit of it's a bit of themed crack uh, and it's got this umbrella theme of folk and uh knights uh fantasy almost kind of quest like uh, and I'm asking you to 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 step into this fantasy world of of my my imagination, and I'm kind of trying to imagine a kind of myth of now. When we went into the first lockdown, I I, I as we all did, we had there's all these things that kind of. Uh, that we didn't really pay much attention to that suddenly became important kind of artistically I feel like kind of just seeing all the the drawing and the the handcrafts and uh, and everything that everybody was kind of immersing themselves in and all really like and like really meditative pursuits you know and very good for the for the can um and yeah before before the lockdown although i felt like i was having like things were going going well 
I had uh, a show I was about to tour, but I was actually just picturing doing this show, uh, a tour of Ireland, and I was like, this, I think I'll be actually dead by the end of this. I, I, I was so stressed, you know, you've got like kind of, you're just like, oh God, and this is only the start of it, so I don't know what kind of a heap I'm going to be in by the end of it. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, a relief, and I got to kind of examine, it, examine what I was doing in a different way. You know, I was really interested in stories and folklore, and I had a storytelling show, um, but then I, I was thinking about collecting my own uh, kind of library of, of folklore. Trying to emulate uh, like resources in Ireland that uh, there's the National Folklore Collection and there's great stuff that they've kind of actually pages of writing that they've collected from from kids, you know, down through the years. Uh, you get really interesting <clears throat> stories on loads of different topics like, uh, you know, traditions at Halloween and that kind of thing. And then there's there's people like Eddie Lenehan, who is an amazing Shanachie, uh storyteller. Who he he has his own collection of folklore that he has has collected from mostly from. Kerry and Claire, but all over Ireland, and he he he's like he befriended and uh, documented the stories that lots of old people, um, like a generation that was 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 disappearing, and he has a, a huge uh, collection of stories. Uh, and he's uh, he's amazing. And when I was I was working in the Leprechaun Museum, it was his books. You know, you have you have the you have the books like the likes of uh, you know Yeats's folk tales, and they're kind of fairy tales. That that's where you kind of start off, you know, and they're collected by Yeats in a different time. I always imagine Yeats, you know. I always imagine him uh, kind of. <laughs> I always imagine him arriving, like you know, he he went he went around, you know, Ireland uh, and collected stories from people. Um, I don't know. Did he speak Irish? I don't know. But he must have had a translator or whatever. But I I can imagine him kind of, you know, in a massive kind of space age uh, like coach you know those big coaches gilded coach with uh, drawn by four horses but it would have been a fancy looking yoke you know and, and big I got a picture Yates has been kind of fancy and, and big as well the big man um, but he would have been yeah well nourished as well, you know, quite like, and uh, groomed, 
and you can you just imagine imagine the the coach like pulling up to a, a smoky uh, smoky uh, cottage thatched with a, a stream of dark peat smoke coming from the top. They arrive up to you know to collect the stories. He's, he's got his mate over from London, and he's like uh, he's saying. Um, <laughs> I think you'll, they, they look a bit rough around the edges, but I think you'll find that they're quite hospitable um, once you get to know them. Uh, so then, he, yeah, they pull up, Yates, Yates and his mate, and, uh, you know, maybe run over the family dog. Um, uh, but ain't no thing, not, not to them. And then they get out and, you know, they've got to hunch down and maybe rub off the inside of the door as they pass in to collect the stories so um, I don't know where I'm going with that but I think yeah what I'm saying is yeah it would have been been Yates Yates and his coach would have seemed like imagine you had no shoes and you were your gaff is freezing and you were like uh, I yeah I don't know you hadn't enough food you hadn't dug enough turf or whatever and uh, you know Yates is Yates thinks your stories are great you know that kind of thing um, but I know I'm sure he was lovely he was lovely uh, but yeah so I'm saying I'm not I'm not comparing uh, myself to Yates as in in my story collecting process though there may be some parallels there when you kind of look at it I mean it, like like writing wise and stuff like that you know what I mean but uh, that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here. I, I, what I'm talking about is I'm trying to take a leaf out of out of the the book of the National Folklore Collection and uh, Eddie Lennon, perhaps Yeats, the big man himself, and collect stories. But I, I what I would like to do is collect a snapshot of the stories of now and of the lockdown and uh, just as a pursuit to kind of keep me occupied and as a kind of valid uh, project that might um, paint a picture of our time that that doesn't perhaps that isn't perhaps you know kind of that doesn't get expressed uh, on the internet etc so yeah that's this is what uh, how I envisage this folklore project so what I'm getting at is uh, I were in lockdown in isolation I I um, envisaged myself as an ancient Irish scribe monk uh, locked uh, well by candlelight and I was I was imagining kind of post-apocalyptic scenarios uh, in this new reality that we were in, you know, um, like the way everybody was queuing for the for the little or the Aldi, you know, and then everybody, you know, you you because they were the uh, or, or the super value, and they were the only places that you. Um, you f- you, and, and as a child, that was the only place you were going to. So you feel this kind of feudal allegiance to 
super value. You know, I'm a super value guy. Um, or you uh, even to, uh, yeah, to little. And you can imagine a pitched kind of, like I'm imagining a, like there's, you know, when, when the Black Death came, it ushered the end of feudalism because there wasn't enough people around to kind of keep the, the uh, to keep the kind of feudal system and lords kind of propped up. So it just changed the game after that. So I, I, I was envisaging a scenario where COVID ushers in a new era of feudal uh, feudalism by which people feel affiliation to the various supermarkets of Ireland and food being the main thing that it's very important that you are, you know, you're near a supermarket. It's very important that you keep Aldi propped up as a, as a sworn trolley of, of Aldi or, or no, you uh, like, a, I don't know what's the equivalent of a sword well Aldi would have the, you know the third aisle in Aldi don't even tell me so you'd have the, like these different you'd have super value versus Aldi in a, in a huge pitched battle uh, and uh, you know super value fairly standard um, make a fairly standard barrage of uh, of trolleys you know uh, up against uh Guys holding uh, Aldi baskets in the front row of the the Aldi formation, uh, but the super value guys have uh, they've got children pepped up on Monster Energy drinks, and they're in they're in the uh, they're in the the trolleys, and you know they they're holding a stick. So the guys pull, pushing the trolley at full speed, and then they drop the stick, and it sends the uh, crazed berserker children over the lines of the of the um, of the Aldi formation only but the, the, these children are going in they're causing havoc but they they get they get mopped up by the shock troops of of the dads of Aldi the dads of aisle 3 you know they, they've got hedge trimmers and stuff like that um yeah, so this, like, I was imagining a kind of a new reality. Um, and I was drawing some of these things live, um, kind of a, trying to imagine this world. Um, but then also, uh, calligraphy is a huge, has become a huge thing. And it was something that I was interested in, but never really took it anywhere. I, I was kind of... I've always had a chip on my shoulder about my handwriting. You know, I was always told that I had absolutely awful handwriting in school. And I was over, I was actually, I was in London um, and I was working in a pub. But I, my only creative outlet whilst working in that pub was the chalkboards, which had to be run daily. So... I would do those the menus each day, and it's a, it's a bit of a craft in itself, like using chalk uh, on a on a blackboard. But like you got it sometimes. Some people like to soak their chalk. Some people use chalk pens. Sometimes you just dip 
dip the maybe you wet the whole board with the cloth you get various effects so yeah I kind of got into developed a, a, a kind of penmanship but I didn't really think anything of that or but then when we were in lockdown I I had these maps these old maps that I've been carting around with me for ages in in bags and stuff and you know they're the type of thing is like I should really just get rid of these I'm never going to do anything with them and I was just doing this calligraphy just messing around and it, it was it took it took the you know the lack of anything to do in lockdown and it was like map calligraphy and then I started to write onto the maps and I, I just there was, there was like a map of Berlin and I was trying to think of something apt to write on that like maybe a story of mine and so I wrote uh, a story onto that map and kind of it was a reflective time just because you have to take your time in the, in the script and I used a kind of gothic script to try and you know bit of, bit of a German medieval vibe but I was thinking of a story of a time when I was in Berlin and it, it had been a fairly spicy affair and it was like Sunday and we'd been there since Thursday or something like that and I was living in London at the time and a very good friend of mine was in Dublin but was in Berlin at this time and we were out in the balcony and we were licking our wounds and we were just like oh god <coughs> I don't want to go home I don't want to go back uh, and uh, you know I had the I had the Ryanair boarding pass out. I was just kind of making sure I had it. I was looking at it, and my friend was there, and he was he's like sparking up, sparking a cigarette. And he just lights a cigarette, but he just kept the lighter lighting, and he it was just like inching closer and closer to the Ryanair board pa boarding pass and then I shimmied the boarding pass just a little bit closer to that flame and that was an agreement uh, between us that we that uh, we I was not going home that we were going to um, cause ourselves some awful psychological damage from another night in Berlin uh, uh, which, anyway, but that I, I, sp I kind of spoke of it in, in a medieval way on the map, you know. I had only expected to stay in Berlin for three days. We burned our Ryanair boarding passes on the balcony. We drank of the Lady Sleuther and dipped our fingers in and tasted and tasted the Devil's Toenail. Booked a return flight to London at great cost. Afraid of flying, I supped of the hunter master and partook of a valium.
I closed my eyes and woke up on an empty plane. The flight attendant shaking me, telling me to get off. Confused, I left my passport. I went back to try and retrieve it, but I set off a warning system in Stansted Airport. Interviewed by the airport police, then escorted to the train. Very confused. So that dramatic uh, story, or synopsis of a story of mine, I scribed onto an old map of Berlin, and uh, I'd, I'd had this that old map for a long time. And it was a bit of a eureka moment, as I said, artistically. Um, it was like, oh, write that on the map. And um, so I, I calligraphied, scribed it onto the map. If I could elaborate on that story as well, because um, it was... Look, we, we burned those Ryanair boarding passes, as you might have inferred from the story. Uh, story also illustrates of what a bloody ledge I am on the sesh. Um, well, back in the day, I was quite into the sesh, you know. Um well, what I'm trying to say is that this is, like, it was a story of mine and um, it felt good because I was like, story, map. And it just felt like a, I, I was marrying my love for making art and uh, performing and but also had opened up a uh, floodgates because... I've got loads of stories like that and I suppose um, it just made me excited because I was like I can actually begin to kind of tap into um, a resource that I really didn't think of as as anything in the past um, so that's that was exciting and that's uh was kind of the first step on this this project uh folklore and I, I suppose that that has kind of given me the confidence to to do this 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 podcast and t- to tell my stories but that i i i'm i'm interested in collecting stories like that from look I'll I'll elaborate on the the actual story that I just told you because um I think it needs to be kind of uh discussed um absolutely as I described terrified of flying so um it is not it's not smart to be to be fiddling around with uh the old drink and downers um, 
so yeah that that is a silly thing to be doing but I was terrified of flying and it was my way of building up to and I was just thinking if I take this Valium and I would absolutely and I go asleep because what would happen is when I just could never sleep on the plane and if I managed to get myself asleep before the plane took off then uh, my adrenaline wouldn't go up to 90 and I wouldn't like because what what happened is uh, the plane would take off the adrenaline would kick in and then I'd just be just the whole plane ride is just a psychological battle me trying to convince myself that I'm not going to die Um I suppose it's accepting death, really, isn't it? And uh, maybe I have done that since then. But, because uh, I'm not really that scared of flying anymore. But, uh, yeah, so th- that's how I got into that state. So I got on the, onto the plane, and I was saying, ideal scenario here, fall asleep, and I wake up back in London, and uh, job done. I literally got on the plane, I closed my eyes, opened them again. I was on an empty plane and I was being shook by the flight attendant. And she was going, get off the plane. You've, everybody's been gone for 10 minutes, get off. So I I just, I, I was like, very goofy. And I grabbed my bag and in my haste, I left my passport in the kind of little net thing uh, in front. And uh, so I went through these doors and then I was like, oh, God, no. I turned around and these doors had closed behind me. And there was a button on the left hand side and it was like a square little press it was a green one. It wasn't a red press in case of emergency. So I was kind of like, eh, can I press that? It's got like a green dot in the middle. And uh, I kind of pressed it. And the plastic slash faux glass kind of tilted inwards and then reformed. Um, which kind of, uh, I was like, as, as soon as I pressed it, I was like, I should not have pressed that. And I... I walked back down the tunnel and then I saw the flight attendant and she had my passport and it was in a plastic bag and I was like, oh my God, you have my passport. She was like, what are you doing back down here? How did you get back down here? And I was like, "Uh, I I pressed a button and came back down through those doors and then she's just straight onto the radio and she goes, we have a security breach at blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh God, no. First of all, the guys came up from the runway, which must must be the kind of protocol. Um, they were kind of standing either side of me in case I was a kind of security threat. I think I was like wearing a pair of shorts and a Hawaiian shirt or something. Uh, I was pretty rough around the edges and I had this kind of dodgy lather bag that I'd bought in a second-hand shop and it was full of silly stuff um, but uh, like I'll explain in a second but yeah so 
then the next guy that came next guys that came are the kind of standard airport guys uh, and they're the the people who wear the like white short sleeve shirts you know you see in the easy jet documentary and uh, they came but then all of the passengers getting onto the plane for the next flight whatever had happened they were all down they were like literally about four feet away from me I was sitting I don't know was I sitting on some, I was sitting on some sort of bench but they were really right there and they're all their flight was delayed because of me and I was just like apologising to them I was going oh, guys I'm so sorry and uh, I was I was explaining that I was afraid of flying and that's why uh, I was a bit fuzzy uh, and but that was it so I just kept apologising um, and but then yeah the the, uh, the airport police arrived then armed to the teeth so there was loads of people there and uh, I was just apologising all the while and then they started rooting through my bag and then in the bag I, I'd been doing this kind of part of uh, an ongoing art project uh, and I had loads of certificates like empty certificates and Hawaiian shirts and there was an empty half bottle of uh, Jägermeister and lots of rubbish because I, I'm, I I just I don't really throw any rubbish away of terrible it's a kind of double edged sword uh, good bad habit but uh, my pockets are always full of rubbish as well but I had um, they're rooting through my bag and it looked like I was trying to set up some dodgy pyramid scheme with all of the, the certificates and things and it's kind of hard to explain to them um, but one of the guys in the white short sleeve shirts um, with the walkie talkies now the, the airport police wanted to take me in and uh, interview me because it was, I didn't realise the, the reason that there was such a big hullabaloo was because there, there it was the anniversary of the London attacks and I had inadvertently compromised their uh, security on said day so um, yeah in my uh, in my silly state I had compromised um, the airport security and uh, but the guy because he was saying do you know what Hugh you've been so polite I would be happy enough to escort Hugh to the Stansted Express Um uh, so that was great that guy uh, saved me a lot of trouble um, and we walked and talked and I was in flying form at the time I have to say I, I remember having great chats with him um, but yes I suppose in realising that I could tap into this resource of my own stories to create art and to describe 
like an ancient monk of old. I thought not just to scribe my own stories, but that perhaps I could, as folklore, mine the rich seam of Ireland's stories. Mm-hmm.